lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand, right here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He's Aaron McIntyre. He is Totters, and you are you. And uh, a couple of uh, notes here to lead off the program. Number one, I went to one of our go-tos on COVID, Dr. Ryan Cole, because a lot of you have asked me questions about the integrity of the blood supply. So over the weekend, I went to Ryan, asked him about it, uh, the uh, Mayo trained pathologist we've had on this show several times over the last couple of years. And during the overtime today, I will share with you, he put in writing his answer and gave me permission to share it with you. Given the sensitivity of the subject matter, I am going to share this answer with you today in the overtime. If you are a Blaze TV subscriber, you can be patient. We will record it for you right after the show today at blazetv.com slash dace. That's D-E-A-C-E, blazetv.com slash dace. And that's also where you can go to get a discounted subscription today to Blaze TV so we can present to you subject matter like this that will not get censored, uh, will not... uh, get uh, the platform banned. So I'm going to share that information with you today at blazetv.com slash dace. Before this next item, and this is even before we get to the montage, folks. All right, so next hour we'll do Ask Me Anything. Good friend of the show, Julie Kelly from American Greatness, will join us at the bottom of the hour. I don't even know what to ask her because she's covering like 28 things yeah. right now. Okay, They're all really bad. And they're all yeah. really bad. Like I don't even know how to like prioritize them, you know? Um When I share with you what I'm going to share with you next, you might be tempted more than ever to contact our our friends over at My Patriot Supply. Get their three-month emergency food kit now. Biggest discount that they have ever offered. It ends soon. 20% off. Three square meals a day plus uh, drinks, snacks for you and everyone in your household. 20% off and free shipping if you go to preparewithdace.com. That's preparewithdace.com. And this stuff stays good for up to 20 years with proper storage. Preparewithdace.com, three-month emergency food kit, 20% off, and free shipping at preparewithdace.com. Assuming the traditional 30% of your mortgage uh, household income ratio applies, okay? Are you guys ready for this? Probably not. I mean, this is... And I look, and I saw a pale horse. I mean, this is not even joking, dude. Like, biblical stuff. In 2020, to afford an average median home in Austin, Texas. So, that's somewhere in the district of our buddy Congressman Chip Roy. uh, At a 30% of your household income ratio, you needed to make $76,166 a year. Do you know what it is right now? That was in 2020. You know what it is now? Two years ago. So two years ago. $160,126. Boston, Massachusetts, you needed to make $99,434. Now it's $170,841. Charlotte, North Carolina, where I just was a few months ago, $45,995. $95,438. This is what you were running into in this housing market. 
Okay. Columbus, Ohio, 46,593 two years ago. It's 81,974 now. Dallas, Texas, where the blaze is located. That's our HQ. 56,837 Dallas and the surrounding area just a few years ago had one of the most affordable housing markets of any major metropolitan area in the country, right? Now it's 110,406 bucks is what you got to earn. Houston, Texas went from 48,994 to 87,909. Indianapolis went from $36,272 to $67,815. Vegas went from $51,000 to $106,000. LA went from $123 to $222. Miami went from $57 to $117. Oklahoma City went from $31 to $55. Philadelphia from $55 to $93. Pittsburgh from $34 to $57. Seattle from $102 to $192. Washington, D.C. from $84 to $139. That is if you calculate the current increase in interest rates and the value of your debased currency right now. That's what you get. I had someone tell me over the weekend... They went to, uh, they're, they're doing some moving. They're in, they, they're in between their new job starts up. They needed a short-term thing. They got desperate. They went to one of those payday loan things. I didn't even know those things were even still open. They literally told him you had to have a credit score of over 700. And he's like, dude, if I had a yeah. credit score of over 700, I wouldn't, wouldn't be going to a payday loan place. And he's like, and the person told him, yeah, that's one of the reasons why I've been written alone in like over three weeks. I mean, this, so when we have shared with you statistics, an 89% increase in the average mortgage payment today compared to the day Joe Biden took over, over a 180% increase in the total amount of interest you will pay on your mortgage loan now compared to the day Joe Biden took over. Put that into dollars and cents that get very, very practical. How can I even get the home that I want? And oh, by the way, net household income is down 2% so far this year, and Americans lost over $6 trillion in total household net worth in the second quarter. So are wages keeping up with this? No, not at all. I've never seen anything like this. Like, I, I have no idea what these numbers look like, like in the 30s. You know, we would have only been like a, a, a second or, t or so generation into a middle class, right? You didn't have as much built up, pent up wealth in the country as you do, you know, 100 years later. I, I, I don't know if we could sustain another year of this. I don't, I don't know what that looks like. But the people in charge are hell-bent, literally, on finding out. And now here's Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Evil Rising. The Biden Justice Department had the FBI send a 20 to 30 member SWAT team to raid the home and threaten a pro-life Catholic from Pennsylvania in front of his wife, 
and seven children. The man, named Mark Hook, routinely visits baby-killing clinics in and around Philadelphia with one or more of his children, praying for women and in some cases convincing them not to have their unborn baby murdered. In one case, however, an older man escorting a woman to the clinic assaulted his son, so Hook responded by shoving the old man away. The older man then tried unsuccessfully to sue. That was a year ago, and that was the end of that, until the FBI served a warrant for the arrest of Hook on some obscure charge of restricting access to baby-killing facilities. Hook faces up to 11 years in prison. He was released from FBI custody on Friday, but not before the FBI had traumatized his young children. The court docket for Hook shows his case actually went to a grand jury before being referred to the FBI for his arrest. The U.S. attorney responsible for the case, Jacqueline Romero, is a Biden appointee whom the Justice Department bragged was, quote, the first woman of color and first person to identify as LGBTQIA to lead the office, end quote. Every GOP senator voted to confirm her back in June. Another line crossed by the organized crime syndicate called the FBI. In some good news, Italy has a new prime minister, and she might be more conservative than the current pope. This is Georgia Maloney, whose center-right party won a pretty decisive election over the weekend. In Italian, she says, quote, They attack national identity. They attack religious identity. They attack gender identity. They attack family identity. I can't define myself as Italian, Christian, woman, mother. No, I must be citizen X, gender X, parent one, parent two. I must be a number, because when I'm only a number, when I no longer have an identity or roots, then I will be the perfect slave at the mercy of financial speculators, the perfect consumer. That's why we inspire so much fear, because we do not want to be numbers. We will defend the value of the human being, every human being, because each of us has a unique genetic code that is unrepeatable. And like it or not, that is sacred. We will defend it. We will defend God. God, country, and family. Those things that disgust people so much, we will do it to defend our freedom. End quote. In completely unrelated news, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy laid out his midterm messaging strategy late last week. And we believe in a check and balance that government should be accountable. No longer special interest. We should work for you, not the other way around like it is today. That's it. That's the montage. And that's what happened while we were away. Um, the state of Western masculinity right there, right there. You remember when we used to be over at Salem before Aaron yes. came to work with us? Yeah. And, uh, or did they do this when you were yep. working here? Okay. That yep. was on our tail end. Yeah. Okay. And they made it mandatory that I had to do as part of the announcer yes. lineup. I had to do mandatory conference calls with Kevin McCarthy every week. Right. Do you remember how many of those I did, even though it was mandatory? Do you remember how many I did? No. Yeah, it was a really low number. Do you remember how many you did? No. You did one. I asked you to do one. Oh, I don't I, even I, remember it, I, 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 Yeah, I asked you to do the first one on my behalf as a proxy to see if there was anything I could re that would remotely make this worth my time, right? And you did it. Maybe it lasted 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, you came back, you, you, you came back and you were like... Yeah, we're not doing this. So, even though it was mandatory, guess how many I showed up for? Zero. 
because that's the losing is a disease guy from the natural. That's what that is, right? As contagious as syphilis and polio, okay? And what does Roy Hobbs do? Just gets up and walks out. I'm not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing any of those. None of them. Kevin McCarthy has a great NPR voice. Hush tones. What do you think they do in hell when we show them? Here is our noble steed. Here is our champion. What do you think they do? I'll tell you what they do. They look at us and say, here is our noble steed. Here is our champion. That's what they do. Joke's on us. Again. Aaron's Montage brought to you by Tyga Coolers. It is peak tailgate season, which means peak need for you to get one of the best coolers on the market. All American-made, lifetime warranty from people who have the same values that you do. They are big fans of this show, as I hope and think many of you are. That's why you're tuned in unless Media Matters is uh, here. Uh, and if you want to get a really cool cooler, and you can get it detailed, customized to your liking, provided it's not you know obscene or violates a copyright, just about anything else they can do for you, or just get you a really cool cooler, when you go to taigacoolers.com, T-A-I-G-A, T-A-I-G-A is how it is spelled, taigacoolers.com. Use the promo code STEVE to get 10% off at taigacoolers.com, promo code STEVE. We're going to follow up on the hook story with uh, Julie Kelly and more coming up here at the bottom of the hour. I want to I want to spend the rest of our time here talking about uh, it's, it's it's Georgia Maloney, correct? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Um, who is the prime minister elect of Italy? Now I had not heard this woman's name in my life until forty eight hours ago. Didn't know that she existed on the planet. Let me say this. The clip that Aaron just played, and there's others out there that are very similar to this, is Rendezvous with Destiny stuff. I mean, she goes on in one of these clips to end it with a quote from Chesterton. And I'm like, okay, you're just pandering to me now. All right. throw in some Spurgeon and you've got a deal. All right. Um, after watching several of her clips, I made a comment this morning on Twitter that I want to repeat here because I want, it's hard to explain this in the amount of characters Twitter gives me. So I, I want to, I want to extrapolate upon it here. These clips of this woman that have gone viral. Well, first of all, let me do this. Georgia Maloney may be a lot of things. Here's what she's not, a fascist. Fascism is the fusion of elites in the public and private sector for the purposes of dominating the populace. Those were the people that she actually was opposed to. So I have no idea if... This is a Deborah-esque character. Like I said, I've never heard the woman's name till 48 hours ago, okay? I, I have no idea if she can do the job. I do, though, think that she needs some airtight security, if you know what yeah. I'm saying, money, okay? 
I'm talking like privately vetted food taster kind of stuff. All right. So I, I have no idea if she's up to the task. I don't know anything about her on a human level other than these clips. One thing I can tell you, though, is evil always accuses you of doing or being what it is doing or what it is. What she's running against is literal fascism. Maybe it's not wearing the silly hat of a Mussolini, but it's fascism nevertheless by the definition of the term that existed for hundreds of years. That's what it is. And that's what we live in today in America. The fusion of elites in the corporate or private and public sectors for the domination of the populace. That's what the World Economic Forum is. That's fascism. She's running against that. So with that definition established or reestablished, because I don't determine definitions. I'm human. I don't make self-evident truths. I'm not God. I, I, I find them and then acknowledge their existence when I do. What she's giving in clips like what you just saw, that's not a political speech, guys. Or if it is, it is, it, it transcends that. And I used a term on Twitter this morning, and I want to explain it to you. I said on Twitter this morning that this isn't merely political. It is apostolic. That's what I said. Apostolic. Now, I mean that not necessarily that that's her own Appointment. Frankly, if she's the woman that she bills herself as, she'll tell you to your face, as a woman, I don't receive apostolic callings. So I don't mean that in terms of a specific office or anointing to a position within the church. That's not what I mean. I mean in terms of nature, in terms of its impact, in terms of its essence. Not its office, but its essence. That is apostolic. That's Paul at Mars Hill. That is, that's John in his letters at the end of the New Testament. For we know that Antichrist is still to come. Numerous Antichrists, though, have already gone out into the world. And here's how you can tell if someone is the spirit of Antichrist. The idea of correctly and rightly diagnosing the spirit of the age in which God's people are immersed and confronted, rightly and properly diagnosing that, and then providing a corporate course of righteous vision and action to confront it and fulfill your calling as a believer or a group of believers or an individual church or a group of churches. That is, in essence, apostolic. I've never heard political speech like this before. My mom was eight years old when Reagan gave Rendezvous with Destiny. 
And that's probably the last time we have heard that level of vision casting in this country. And frankly, maybe throughout Western civilization. I mean, I, I, I can't think of the last time that level of righteous vision casting, the diagnosis, the right diagnosis, not of the political systems and manifestations or machinations, but the manifestations of the spiritual philosophical elements, the strongholds, the unseen realm that manifests itself into political systems. Understanding the times and what to do about them. I don't, I've never heard of, in my lifetime, I've never heard anybody in this country articulate anything like that anywhere. To that extent. I'm not saying that they didn't understand it. Frankly, I have known numerous people that understood the stakes we were playing for. But a willingness and an ability to use the platform of their own public persona, their campaign, to correctly identify those things. And to that extent, I've not seen anything like that. I just have not. And I had not heard of this woman 48 hours ago. I didn't know who she was. I mean, if we're going to be really direct, that is what should be heard from your churches. Hence the term apostolic. But God's word will not return void. We have a documented history throughout the scriptures. Whether they are judges or prophets or Levite priests. Or later on, apostles and ministers. If they will not fulfill the duty and role that God has called them to then he will call others. He'll call a shepherd of slow speech. He'll call a self-righteous, arrogant persecutor of Christians to be the apostle to the heathen Gentiles. He'll call fishermen. That's she better have the best security on planet Earth. Am I making too much out of this? Oh, no. And you know why I know? You know who agrees with every word of what you just said, except from a different premise? The demons. The demons are reacting to her just like the demons react to Christ in the gospel. 
She, this is lying out of the cage stuff. And they know it. And they know how they've made everybody for so long embarrassed to say it or know your place. Like Kevin McCarthy, keep it in the right pocket. You know, small government nonsense. This is the full power of Christ being spoken without apology. Yeah. And the demons tremble. Yeah. They I'm- know it's game over, which is why they're like instantly go to the Mussolini card. They've got to throw everything at it. Absolutely everything they have, because that's the great power. When we talk about a revival or bust, as dark as it is, in a moment, if we decide to put down the nonsense and grab the power of Christ, done. Yes. Yeah. So you're not making too big of a deal about this. Aaron, what do you think? Closest I've seen to this is actually Viktor Orban in Hungary. And listening and, and uh, listening to him and reading what he's written, it's like kind of a version of this show, actually, on on some level. It's um, it's more a version of uh, mere Christianity, actually, as it relates to uh, society. It's like clear thinking and it's been fairly successful. And that's why you hear people talk about Orban as a threat to democracy and you know, this and that. And Todd is absolutely right. When you let the lion out of its cage, guess what? Yeah, sure, Italy has a long tradition of you know, electing uh, minority or, or anti-establishment parties. Nothing's come close, though, With to this, this message. To this message. Though. Yeah. That's the, that's the huge difference. And to do it in pretty, pretty convincing fashion, as the exit polls yesterday uh, indicated, that's that's kind of a big deal. And guys, just the reason I, I had a whole nother probably three or four minutes of the montage that I actually had written out and I was about to record and I was just going through this and I'm like, no, I just want these three stories. Not even Ron DeSantis. Love Ron DeSantis. And he comes, he can, he, you know, he, he articulates things so clearly but he doesn't even he doesn't even lay this out the way that that she did. He doesn't even do that. A guy, a young man, a kid, got run over for being conservative last week. We have the FBI sending SWAT teams pointing their guns at a Catholic pro-lifer. Traumatizing his family, pointing their guns at him. Or at, as, at his family, by some accounts. And the message that we're being asked to vote for in, ma- in mass. We need a government that works for you, not the other way around. No more special interest groups. Some random woman in Italy knows what time it is and did something about it. Back here, though. Back here. We're going to be asked to vote for maybe the second transgender congressman if, if this keeps going up in Kevin McCarthy and his message. What, what message is that? They don't know what time it is. I'm glad you brought DeSantis into this because we have seen him move demographics and polling numbers by the power of his governing and messaging, right? Because people have lived through the effect of what he believes, mm-hmm. okay? This is, this is a different level than what we've seen out of him. She's catechizing the people. Yes. She's teaching them. 
Again, that's why I use the term apostolic. She is catechizing the people. She is not just trying to capitalize on their angst politically and saying, I'll be your champion, like, say, Glenn Youngkin was doing last year in Virginia. She is defining their angst. She is teaching them where it's coming from. That's, that's why I've said about her, and you know I love me some Carrie Lake, mm -hmm. all right? But that's why I haven't said Carrie Lake better have airtight security. Now, if she gets elected governor, and I believe she will and does the stuff yeah. she does, then she better have some airtight security. Right. But this is, this is a different thing that we're seeing here. She is defining for the people why they are in the position they are in. Where they're, who's responsible for their frustrations like Christ at the temple? Who am I speaking of? It's these leaders right here. They betrayed you. I'm pointing my finger right at them. It is these whitewashed tombs. It is this brood of vipers. Beware the yeast of these men. It's poisonous. She is catechizing them. She is teaching. She's using her platform as an educational tool. She is showing them. She's connecting dots. This goes beyond power to the people. This isn't populism. It's beyond that. This is Patrick Henry Declaration of Independence kind of stuff. It's the good, the true. That's and what it is. This is catech she's catechizing the people of, of Italy. Which would allow them to then on their own be able to define why they feel that way and then act out rather than singularly have to rely on her as a power of personality, which is what we often have to do here. Yes. had a good phone call last week with our friends over at Built Bar. I don't think I should let the cat out of the bag or anything. Probably not my place, but uh, could be some potentially exciting things happening over there. Between our show and Built Bar in the oh, future. Really? Possibly. Possibly. Yeah. So very exciting uh, phone conversation. And it should be because it's it's an absolutely phenomenal product. I got three emails this weekend from people who all finally dug in, bought some, and got the chocolate chip cookie dough puffs and were just blown away by how good they are. It's the greatest protein bar of all time. You will not believe how few calories, how few carbs, how few grams of sugar are actually included in each and every one. They're all covered in real chocolate. Every flavor is stupendous. Some are just a little bit more stupendous than others, like Chocolate chip cookie dough chunk, for example. You can get 15% off right now if you go to built.com for Built Bar. 15% off at built.com if you use the promo code DACE. Take advantage of it again. The greatest protein bar of all time. There, there is simply no way. You know, I'm down. I, I had to lose the final 50 this year as I approach 50 next year. I lost 30 of it so far. There's no way I could have done it, given my, as Todd likes to say, palate of a 12 year old there is no way i could have done it with my prodigious sweet tooth without built bar so uh they get a tip of the cap uh, from me as well built.com promo code days to get 15 percent off well there's been about five instances in the last six weeks that i uh, was about to approach todd and say hey get julie kelly of american greatness back on 
to cover what she's covering or to discuss what she's covering on blank. And then something else came up and then something else came up and then something else came up. So at this point, as we welcome Julie back on the program with a long and uh, my bad overdue absence here on the show, Julie, I don't even know what to ask you about. I mean, I just, you are covering so many things right now and they are all so horrible. I don't know how to prioritize them. I don't, so you tell us where this conversation should begin. Well, let's begin with my Monday morning look and excusing that I did not do my hair today because I'm on deadline. There's breaking January 6th news and it's Monday morning. So I apologize for that. So we owe each other an apology. So we're actually, you came on this show on one of the few days I'm actually wearing a collared shirt. So normally I'd be sitting here in a ratty t-shirt, but go ahead. (laughs) That's right. So I knew I could dress down for you guys. You wouldn't care. Uh, I don't know, Steve, where do we start? Um, I mean, this thing is just accelerating rapidly. Um, you have now, aside from the raid of Mar-a-Lago, it looks like DOJ is desperate to conceal the fact that uh, they claim these classified records that the FBI stole out of Mar-a-Lago. Uh, they want to keep that out of the sight of the court, a, a third party, the media, Trump's defense attorneys. So we've got that going on. Um, but I think there's going to be a lot of news breaking this week. We have the government's biggest January 6th trial, and that is for five alleged members of the Oath Keepers. They face the exceedingly rare charge of seditious conspiracy. Jury selection begins in that case tomorrow. On Wednesday, um, the January 6th committee will hold another prime, not prime time, afternoon televised performance. So we'll see what they come up with. Um, but it looks like, of course, with all of these things moving at the same time, that this will all go towards the inevitable end of criminal charges, a grand jury indictment against Donald Trump. I think the only question now is if it happens before or after the November midterm. You and I agree uh, and have agreed since the raid that they're going to do this. I, I spoke to one of my best little birdies last week who tipped me off that the Letitia James lawsuit was coming and that it would include the children that uh, they're that this is essentially a game of um, it's a dragnet. They're trying to box him in with multiple lines of exposure. So they we drag the kids in. Of course, everybody knows that that lawsuit's a piece, a pile of junk. But they can find a favorable judge somewhere that'll grant them some level of discovery, and and then we cast the rod and reel and see what we unearth. Right? Okay. Um, I've been told that, uh, that, that Trump has been notified by his attorneys in the FEC that if he declares for 24, the RNC and his PAC can no longer pick up his legal bills, that he believes his legal bills are going to be well over tens of millions of dollars to defend all of these various charges, which will come close to approaching what he actually spent entirely out of his own pocket on the 2016 election, uh, that Trump now also believes that he will be indicted and my little birdie said to me last week that the minute they set foot on Mar-a-Lago, they had to do it. That if they didn't go all the way with it, they would have Kavanaugh'd themselves, right? They would have looked weak. It had been another situation where they, more Sweatniks, more Blasey Fords, more um, Michael Avenatti's. And so the next time they try this lawfare act on a DeSantis or whoever else we like next, we will just point to that precedent and say, see, this is a scam like Kavanaugh, right? They they can't run the Anita Hill Kavanaugh playbook again because that whole thing's been exposed. And so they have to see this through and that this is essentially a game of chicken, 
uh, between these two entities, that the feds know they have to go through with it to the end. And 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 then the, the key is, does Trump still declare with all of these all of these lines of exposure that could be attacked? Like he forms a separate legal fund. They immediately go after that and say, we don't trust that you're really not double dipping here. Right. That that's the game that's being played here. You agree or disagree with that? I do agree, Steve. And look, the Democrats uh, and DOJ and FBI really boxed themselves into a corner, as I've said, for the past few months, and especially since the raid on Mar-a-Lago, which was just optics. It was theater to support this idea, to try to convince the public this is a legit criminal investigation. Um, but all of this is to um, bring charges against Trump. If the Democrats don't, and we're now hearing rattlings from the January 6th committee that they're going to issue some unanimous criminal referral to DOJ, but they don't need to. This DOJ, led by Merrick Garland, Lisa Monaco, a longtime Obama loyalist, and Matthew Graves, a Biden appointee, Biden campaign advisor, who's now the U.S. attorney for the District of Columbia, they have created this expectation. It's ratcheted up so high, Steve, that if they don't bring charges, they will pay a political price Agree. Yeah. from their base. You see how bloodthirsty mm -hmm. millions of Americans, I, I cannot figure out why they hate Donald Trump so much that they are so desperate to see him in handcuffs and see him in jail. I, I don't understand it. I guess they, they just really wanted to pay 189% more interest on their 30-year mortgage because that's what they're doing today compared to the day that Trump left office. They they were just really anxious to pay 85% more in a mortgage payment per month than they were the day that Trump left office, right? I mean, what you're describing, we have seen people before just completely on both sides, frankly, completely compromise their principles to get an expedient political outcome that usually lines their pockets. In this case, this is this is cosmic. This is spiritual. The, they have not they, they've benefited from none of these policies. Nobody has. This is we've never seen a systemic meltdown across the board like this in American history on every single front. No one is benefiting from this. And yet they persist in we have to see this thing through because we just want this way of life more. You can't you can't try to argue with that, Julie. Well, look, Donald Trump is only part of this. As I wrote in my book, uh, January 6th, how Democrats are using the Capitol protests to launch a war on terror against the political right. This is not just about Donald Trump. It's not just about his children, his empire, Republican lawmakers who support him. This is to punish. It is to criminalize. It is to intimidate tens of millions mm -hmm. of Republican voters into voting, into donating, into publicly supporting candidates. That's what this crusade is all about. They want to use all the tools of the government and the media to crush the op opposition political party. And Steve, they're not even trying to hide it now. They are using this FBI, this Gestapo, their personal little police force to terrorize Americans um, and so that's what this end game is all about. Donald Trump will just be, you know, the big fish that they will catch, mm. but they are going to keep going and going until everyone is basically too scared to be a Republican mm. voter in this country. I mean, if, if you're going to work in a Trump administration, should he get elected president again? Frankly, you need to negotiate with him that you get an automatic pardon the day you leave the White House, because that's the, 
I think a lot of people don't understand, and this is why a lot of times our people go into those things and can get corrupted. They really, these jobs don't pay that well, okay? It's not nearly as well as people think, all right? And um, you, I mean, affording the kinds of attorneys that it takes to take on this level of lawfare, even a lot of people that have high-ranking positions in a White House cannot afford that out of their own pocket. And that's what, what I believe transpired here in 2016, Julie, is I think the spirit of the age was perfect, perfectly content with continuing the incremental frog in the boiling water. And then in 2016, you had both the election of Trump and Brexit. Both of those happened in the same year. And I think that that's when the spirit of the age said, oh, bleep, our window might be narrowing here. More people might be waking up to this. We, we don't have time for more frogs in the boiling water. And I think it, it went ape. I think it realized it had to go all the way now that this might be its last chance to turn the American right into what the right is in almost every Western European country uh, controlled opposition. All right. We're just we're just we're just arguing how much rainbow jihad we want, how much Islamic jihad we want. We're not actually having a serious clash of cultures here. And and that's what they're looking to do. They don't care about crushing the Kevin McCarthy's of the world. OK, that's what this is. Those people are all controlled opposition. This is about making sure that there is not real substantive opposition to their worldview within the system. Uh, that's absolutely right. And that's why you see this happening on so many levels. We read about the FBI raid, uh, two dozen or so armed agents who raided the home of Mark Houck, who is a uh, pro-life activist. He has seven children. Uh, these the charges, this alleged assault was over a year ago. It was against a man who was berating and swearing at his 12-year-old son who did it on a number of occasions. So you have the FBI going after pro-life pro activists. You have them going after parents who protested at school boards. You have them going after, now closing in, Steve, almost a thousand people facing criminal charges related to a four-hour disturbance on January 6th. That's not even the lawmakers and the Trump people that they're also targeting. These are regular Americans subjected to the same type of FBI raids, humiliating, destroying their lives, destroying their businesses, their marriages. I mean, these people are complete pariahs in their community. Um, and so that is really what this is about. To your point, it's not just about voting for Trump. It is the entire uh, MAGA movement and what we, you know, what we believe in our agenda and it extends beyond Trump. To your point, Stephen, this is very important. It's not just uh, indicting Trump to try to stop him from running for president. It's also doing what they did for four years, I think, pretty successfully. And that is um, dissuading people from wanting to serve in the Trump White House mm -hmm. for fear of legal retaliation, which we see and we're, we're still seeing to this day. I've talked to some people I know and I can't really get a clear answer. So I want to see what you think and who you've talked to. I've got about two minutes here for a question we could do two hours on. Mm -hmm. They indict him. What happens next? Like, do they find a federal judge who says you're ineligible for the ballot? I, I mean, what what happens next? Have you talked to people that have that know this stuff? Because we're game theorying out unprecedented, you know, moments here in our history, how this ultimately goes. 
Um, I really don't know how it will go politically with his base. Um, I think that they are trying to fuel or provoke some type of violent response uh, like they did on January 6th. Mm -hmm. But look, Steve, the fact is Donald Trump is indicted by a D.C. grand jury, will be signed off by a D.C. judge. It will be assigned to a D.C. district court judge who acts as nothing more than a rubber stamp for this government, this Justice Department. And eventually he will stand trial before a jury made of residents of a city that gave him 5% of the vote uh, in 2020, I think 4% in 2016. And look, we have plenty of evidence that uh, January 6th defendants, whether it will be President Trump or down to someone charged with parading, cannot get a fair trial in Washington, D.C. But this is what Donald Trump will confront. Um, so if he's charged and indicted, I've no doubt he will be convicted. And then what happens? You know, this just keeps going into then what happens, then what happens. But the idea, Steve, and you see this with Ron DeSantis, the idea that all this lawfare stops if somehow Donald Trump goes to jail and doesn't run for president is a joke. Mm -hmm. They're already sharpening no, we agree. their knives. We agree. We, we are, if we're being all candid and you and I can be candid with one another, we are a fairly pro DeSantis show here. Okay. I'd much rather see DeSantis be the 24 nominee than Trump. But we all agreed on Friday of all the ways for Trump to not be the nominee in 24. This is the absolute worst. And the precedent that is set here is far worse than anything I could perceive we would gain from what I think is an upgrade from Trump to DeSantis. This the precedent that they can do this cannot be allowed to stand regardless of that's far bigger going forward than who the nominee in 24 is. Frankly, I agree. It really is. I mean, this is the deep state. This is worse. This is Marxism. It is using government tools, whether it's surveillance, lawfare, um, these secret courts, these secret grand juries to bring these sort of charges. They will continue to do it. And the Republicans, even if they take the House, will not do what needs to be done to sh stop this, which is first and foremost, shut down the U.S. Attorney's Office in Washington, D.C., shut down the uh, FBI Washington field office, which we know is compromised, shut down both of those entities because those are the poison pills that are creating uh, all of this lawfare, this uh, legal and judicial destruction against the political right. I'll let you get back to your deadline. You're doing phenomenal work. Thank you, Julia. Must follow, must read for everybody in our audience. Keep it up. It won't be this long before we have you back. Okay. Thank you. That's all right. Thanks, guys. You bet. Later. Thoughts on that conversation other than rage? We're in so much trouble uh, that I, I like how you put that at the end. Uh, I've said many times DeSantis is obviously preferable. Uh, but yeah, that that president and what the point I was trying to make about Friday, like I, I don't think it's tactical just because of Kavanaugh uh, that they have to do this. This is who they are. They want to do it and they want to do it of all of us. They can't stand to have an alternative point of view. They're in a cult. Cults do not allow that to happen. Get that through your head. I think going back to the, the first segment as well, you know, the the January the January 6th thing that was unprecedented at the time and, and talking about thousands of just regular people being rounded up. You know, that's but at least at least they had the the canard, the excuse of, well, they're insurrectionists. Bad excuse. Terrible canard. These people are demonic liars. What really, really sticks out to me about that pro-life Catholic in Pennsylvania is that he's a nobody. Mm -hmm. He didn't do anything to deserve this. They picked on him yeah. out of nowhere, yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah.
This is getting really bad really, really fast. Yes, it is. Ask Me Anything is next. with Hour 2 live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Totters and Aaron McIntyre and all of you. And you can let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox, which you can access by emailing the show Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor, and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter and Getter. You can also get clips of the show free of any censorship and free to watch. When you go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show as well. Rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. And again, as always, remember the last name is D E A C E. Want to let you know a couple of quick things here. Um, number one, um, we're getting a major studio renovation here soon. So things may be, we're in the process. We've already done a first phase of this, we're in the process of prepping for the main phase. There may be some things that might be a little off, um, you know, like you've noticed the TV screen behind me. It's crap. It's crap. It's all but gone out. Several of you have complained. It's because we are so close to a major uh, renovation that we just decided why replace it when that's in the in the hopper as we speak. So um, things may sound, look, feel a little erratic here uh, over the next couple of weeks while this gets done. For example, next week. We are off Wednesday. You will get a taped show Thursday and Friday. We are completely off. Uh, Well, I was going to be off anyway. I've got to go speak at the convention of States conference in Orlando, but it just so happens that that's when they're going to do the renovation and rent an upgrade of the studio as well. And then we're hoping when we come back, what's that Monday, the 10th, the 10th of October, things are going to look a lot different. Things are going to look a lot and noticeably different and for the better. All right. So just the next couple of weeks, you've heard this before when businesses are renovating, pardon our mess. Okay. Um, I just wanted to let you know about that. Also, You may get some um, erratic scheduling with the show here over the next couple of months. We are getting close to the conclusion of uh, the making of the Nefarious film. And then that may require me uh, doing some travel when it comes to negotiating distribution deals and who we're going to show it to and who we want to distribute it through and those things of that nature. So October could just be kind of a... Through the election, because uh, the Blaze is going to do a big election show, election night. So I'll be down there anchoring it again, like I was in 2020. So between the around the you know the first week of October and mid-November, it just could get a little crazy around here. You know, don't be shocked if you tune in and I am doing my show from a hotel, doing the show, my portion of it from a hotel room somewhere. Okay, for example, just want to give you guys, and we'll try to keep you up to speed. On this as much as possible. It's just a lot of this is kind of going to be very spontaneous uh, once we get uh, the movie completed here in the next couple of weeks. So just want to give you a heads up about that and appreciate your patience in advance of all of those things. All right. Don't forget if you're a podcast listener, if you've yet to do this, please leave us a five star review, hit subscribe or follow. Thanks to all of you that have done those things for us. We appreciate each and every one. Let's get to some Ask Me Anything brought to you by our friends over at Omega XL. You've got these things called joints in your body. There's 360 of them from your neck all the way down to your feet. And they are crucial 
for mobility and flexibility. But as we get older, they can also become hubs of inflammation. And that's likely what is causing that uh, ache lingering and achiness and soreness in your back, your knees, your neck, your hip, your feet, etc. That's why you're looking for an all natural anti-inflammatory and Omega XL is what you are looking for backed by going on a third decade of clinical research and three years now of me using it on a daily basis. I take it with me wherever I go. I absolutely swear by it. Highly would recommend it. If you want to try it now, go to OmegaXL.com slash Steve. They offer you buy one, get one free to get you started. Buy one, get one free to get you started at OmegaXL.com slash Steve, or you can call them at 800 844 4888. That's 800 844 4888. So we've got some Ask Me Anything. We have any questions from five star reviews this week? We do not. Do not. So it's all Gab. Yes. All right. So Gab, our followers on Gab got to ask the questions this week. You've selected them. Yes. Of course. I've not seen any of these in advance. And Aaron, you may begin. All right. We'll begin with Jen. Hi, Steve. First, I wanted to thank you and Todd and Aaron for all you've done over the last two and a half years. You've helped build my faith in God and Jesus, even though I question my religion at times. Second, my question is for, is for Steve. What along your journey prompted you to turn back to God and Jesus? I'm not sure you ever spoke. Did you feel something missing and just went searching or did something prompt you to look? A quick question for Todd, secondly, uh, about the Catholic Church Authority. Do you have any concerns with church leadership? Pope Francis gives off evil vibes and says a lot of evil things. I basically left Catholic Church due to leadership standings and statements and the outright destruction of Catholic beliefs. Just curious where you stood with that. Maybe you said in the past and I didn't see that show. I'll let you take the part that first if you want to. Well, I... I share all of your uh, concerns, uh, none of which because it is a 2,000-year-old uh, church that, as Catholics believe, this is not a uh, hot take or anything. We believe it is the one true church most fully ordered through time that's in the catechism. So it's uh, it's not enough for me to leave, nor for for you, quite frankly, if you believe that. But I don't disagree with you. Um, about uh, the problems, and they're only I, I found that particularly pointed when I sorted through the questions this morning. I wanted you to be able to have your say because, in the context of what we just heard from the prime minister elect of Italy and what Steve said about that, that's why your point of view on this is so salient. It's such garbled nonsense that at times sounds like it's promoting. Evil. I, I'm not even going to argue uh, uh, about that. We we are so used to not having solid food to eat on so many different fronts that while I don't think ultimately you made the correct decision, I understand your frustration. Uh, as to your first question, and that's from Jen. Yep. I didn't turn back to anything, uh, actually. Um, it's amazing how many people, how many times you've covered this story, but... I found it important. We get so many new listeners. They, mm -hmm. they really want to know, and they haven't heard yet where you come from. I mean, I, I turned to something uh, for the first time. Uh, and make a long story short, uh, becoming a dad was a big factor for me. And realizing um, when our oldest, Anastasia, when she was born, how um, completely ill-equipped I was to not repeat the same mistakes that had been made with me, which were a repeat of several of the mistakes that were made with him. 
by his old man. And um, I remember just feeling a real overwhelming sense that this kid was going to need a lot more infrastructure than just me and her mom alone could provide. And I can look back on it now and say that this was the the calling to conversion, the calling to salvation process. I didn't understand what those things meant back then. But those were becoming a dad and how much that wrecked me were the initial things that at least began my quest. Um, I'd say about a year or so later, we had joined a church that didn't really click with me. Amy was much more involved. And um, one day they ran a an ad. So this would have been in the spring of 2003. They ran an ad for a Promise Keepers event in Kansas City, Missouri that September. And I, I just had this conviction that no matter whatever else was going on in the world on September 18th, 2003, which is right in the middle of college football season, I had to be at that event. So without thinking about it, I just went out and went up and went out and signed up for it. Tried to do everything I could the week of the event months later to get out of it. Finally, my wife just dropped me off at church, threw my bag out in the car, said, I'll see you on Sunday. So I jumped on the bus and to make a long story short, uh, that just became a life-changing event. And um, the I remember the first speaker was a guy named Joe White. I remember, well, before we got to the speakers, I'm watching guys sing and hold hands, and I'm like, hell no, not doing any of this, you know? Then the first speaker was a guy named Joe White who begins building these, like, life-size crosses on the stage and talking about the damage that fathers do to sons. And I remember looking around Kemper Arena, and there was about ten or 12,000 people there that night, and I'm like, who told them I was coming? Like, it felt like the entire thing was for me and we get to the end and I'm pretty broken he takes an altar call but I thought altar calls were only for really bad Pentecostal television with the woman who looks like her hair lost the fight with the paintball gun okay and next thing I know though I mean we were in the upper deck I was nearly I mean I was well over three bills back in those days I mean well over three bills so a trek down from the upper deck of the Kemper Arena to the floor would not have been an easy walk for yours truly. The next thing I know, I don't remember that walk. I remember, I remember kind of digging my heels in and saying, I'm not going down there. I'm not answering this. I'm not giving in. And the next thing that I honestly remember to this day is being face down on the floor of that arena. So that's the Reader's Digest version of my story. I, I didn't turn back to anything like uh, I, I grew up in a home like a lot of Americans you know we we knew what the Ten Commandments were and were patriotic so we thought that meant we were Christians went to went on Christmas and Easter like a handful of times I mean I didn't I didn't turn back to anything that that was not part of my upbringing on a fundamental level in any way shape or form that story never gets old what year was that again 2003 so it'll be 20 years next year. Yep. Wow. <laughs> Moving on. Jay says, is Jordan Peterson trustworthy or just another grifter from the intelligentsia in sheep's clothing? I think we need to define trustworthy first. And then 
if if we're going by the accepted definition of of grifter i i i don't know how you could possibly think that jordan peterson is a grifter i don't now we can discuss the level of trustworthy and i'll get to that in a moment okay but Jordan Jordan Peterson has taken as many slings and arrows from the spirit of the age as frankly anybody not named Donald Trump has. <laughs> All right. I mean, I I I don't know. I think if you were to ask I, it would be a more difficult question to ask me if you had framed it as. Does Jordan Peterson truly understand the existential stakes we are playing for? See, I think that's a much more difficult question to answer. But I, I don't know how you could make the case that Jordan, and, and I've never met him. I don't know him. I don't know anybody. Well, you know, I've, I know Dave Rubin and him and Dave are close, but I don't know Dave Rubin that well. Okay. I, like, I wouldn't say I'm friends with anybody that knows Jordan Peterson personally. And it, it actually wasn't until over lockdowns that I went and watched the documentary about him. You know, when he was first kind of blowing up, like I didn't know he was like a psychiatrist. Like I, I didn't know any of this. You know, I, I think when for me to do what you want me to do and, and at the level that I want to be able to do it, it just doesn't give me a lot of time to sample what else is going on out there, except what I see in my Twitter feed, right? So I, I just don't have a lot of time to long form sample a lot of other people's work. So I, I didn't know, I didn't know he was Canadian until like the lockdowns. <laughs> I didn't know like much about him at all. Um, I, I just, but I don't see how anyone could think he is a grifter. Now, the question of trustworthy, I think, is more, more fascinating and intriguing, and here is why. Because someone can be, how do I put this? Someone can be someone of good character and sincere will, and depending on the task you are assigning them to not trusted to complete it to satisfaction. How about I put it that way? Like you could assign me to, um, you could assign me to winning a pull-up contest. And I could be very sincere. I could give it my all. Okay. But even with my level of strength and after losing 30 pounds, I can maybe do a couple of them. You've asked me to do something I'm not fully equipped to do, right? I mean, you can tell who's going to win the pull-up contest by usually the, the, defin the, the level of definition in their upper body. Now, if you wanted to do a squat contest, I might win that for you. 
Okay. But if you ask me to do a pull-up contest, you're asking me to, you're trusting me, maybe is the best way I'll put it. You are entrusting to me to win a challenge that I just am not equipped for. And I'm just going to tell you that there is, there, and again, I didn't, I didn't hear this woman's, I didn't know this woman's name 48 hours ago. All right. But the level of diagnosis, and I'll use that as a clinical term because that's Jordan's field. The level of diagnosis, Jordan has correctly identified all of the symptoms. In fact, I could argue no one in contemporary Western culture has better correctly identified all of the symptoms, which is what's made him a superstar. You've powerfully told about how he's addressed to the, the lack of masculinity yes. and fatherhood and things yeah. before. Yeah. All those things, he's exactly right. But they're all symptoms. What, and forgive me, what's her name again? Let me look it up. Georgia Milani. Milani. What Milani is talking about, she's going right to the disease. I mean, she's isolated in a philosophical, moral, and spiritual lab she has isolated the virus, the contagion. And if, if I were to entrust Jordan Peterson to win a fight, remember, no man can rise above their own worldview. No man can. If, if, if Jordan Peterson is William Sherman, march to Atlanta, burn everything on the way there, break the enemy, make them surrender, make them submit. Milani is, this is Lincoln-esque stuff. This is Lincoln stuff. And... So it depends on what you are entrusting Jordan Peterson to do. Are you entrusting Jordan Peterson to, to draw blood from the enemy in the arena of ideas? Well, then I think you can trust him completely. Are you in, but one of the things I do fear, and I saw this in, in the documentary, is a lot of young men going to him for what a father and a priest or a pastor is supposed to provide. And that's all well and good, provided he's properly catechized. And I think he's made it fairly obvious that he hasn't been, or he is in the process of being so, maybe. Because you can do everything Jordan Peterson advises you to do, and they're all very righteous things. And you could do them to the nth degree and end up in hell when you're dead. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and, and so if you want Jordan Peterson to fight for you and alongside you, you could do a hell of a lot worse than Jordan Peterson. I think a lot of people are asking Jordan Peterson to catechize them, though. And I think Jordan Peterson could use some catechesis. He is doing 
from what I've heard, if I could add to this a little bit too, sure. from what I've heard from him, just from the outside looking in, he's doing with, with, I think, orthodox Christianity, what we describe with conservatism being an observational science. Mm-hmm. He's in the observational yeah. right now, though. Yeah. He has, he has yet to make that last cinch over the edge, kind of taking that leap. So mm-hmm. at least that's, that's what I've seen from Peterson. He's doing anyway. Socratic dialogue. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that's, and, and listen, what, it's not the, exa- you, the, ge- the same general theme that Steve just applied. Uh, they're not all the same, but apply it to Bill Maher. Apply it to gays for groomers. We talked about that last week. Yep. They're they're scoring points for a side that we believe in, but they're not us. So we need to rightly divide. Yes. Now I think Jordan Peterson would be closer yes. to us than the other entities that you are comparing him to. But is he more in that realm than ours? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. He might be if this was a Venn diagram. The le- the 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 uh, the spillover. That he would be maybe in there, and the entities that you talked about would be outside of that area, okay, yes. right? But he would still be in that portion of the, uh, he'd still be in that elliptical circle nevertheless. Yes. Next up, we'll go to Bellador, who says, Do you believe states have a right to unilaterally withdraw from the Union, as the southern states attempted to do in 1860 and 1861? And would we have been in a better position had secession prevailed and there were two or more American countries today instead of one? I think we have to make sure that we don't, on the right, take things from the past and project them to our present. To fit our present narrative and agenda. If you were to ask me, would we have been better off if the side that believed in states' rights won the Civil War? But you framed the question that way, as if they were just having, they were in a lab. They were just having debates. Yeah. And they were just, uh, there was no impetus for why the question was even called. So somebody, uh, some noted thinkers in the South just philosophically said, hey, we've got a right to secede. They're these United States. We don't have to belong to the Union. And some Northern collectivists decided, well, you have to belong and we will fight and kill to make you stay. No other question provoked this matter, right? That's not intellectually honest, okay? We have to be careful as Christians that we don't go for right answers from a wrong premise. One of the ultimate acts of man's inhumanity to man is what called that question. To ignore that and to make it seem as if this was a uh, obscure, not ubiquitous debate from some obscure point. And I don't quote me, save me your emails. I know all the numbers. I know one of the most powerful scenes in the blue and the gray. Remember that miniseries from when we were kids? The scene where the the grunt soldiers for the Union and Confederate get accidentally left behind during one of the battles because they're left for dead and they both wake up. And they go to, they start, you know, pulling, drawing guns and stuff on each other. But then they realize they need each other because they're all each other has out here in the middle of nowhere. Their respective armies have moved on. So they start talking. 
And the union guy is just assuming the guy wearing the gray uniform is a racist and is a slave driver. He's like, man, I'm from, you know, Podunk, Mississippi, man. We can't afford slaves. What are you talking about? Like, I don't know anybody that owns any slaves. We're, we're you know, we're poor as dirt rural Southerners. I didn't want to, I don't want to be here any more than you do. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I know all of that. Nevertheless, the Confederacy didn't secede simply because they were trying to make a theoretical or philosophical point. They were trying to make a theoretical philosophical point with the launching point of a dastardly evil. Okay? To ignore that and then to project, you're doing the right version of the 1619 project, frankly, with all due respect. You are you are projecting history as opposed to letting it speak for itself. You are projecting it into our contemporary political situations. And that's not fair to do it one way or the other. It is not fair to say because two out of 13 colonies voted against putting anti-slavery language in the Declaration of Independence. That therefore that meant from the very beginning in 1619, this was a slave driving hell. Is that fair to say? No. Is it accurate to say? No. You can't do it from the other side either and pretend is it we can all debate the degree to which states rights and slavery was the true impetus people were fight, but you cannot divorce completely you just can't the question of do you have a right to enslave one of god's creatures or not was somewhere in the equation of why more Americans died at Antietam than any other singular event in American history. Somewhere it's in there. Somewhere, right? Yes. So then it has to be wrestled with on some level, correct? Yes. So then ask yourself from a biblical viewpoint, what is the hierarchy of values to you? Defending those led away to slaughter, that's right out of the scriptures. Defeating those who shed innocent blood, that's right out of the scriptures, or your philosophical point about states' rights, with that being the rationale for why you're even arguing it. So, with all due respect, I reject the premise of this question from the outright. This is a re- th- this question, to me, attempts to do from the right with things like the 1619 Project attempt to do from the left. You seem troubled by that answer. No, not at all. I found okay. I had no idea where you were going to go with that. And, and a lot of these questions, I know exactly where you're going to go. I, I did not necessarily know. what. I think you could have taken many uh, tacks that would have been uh, correct. I've um, this. Let me, be- let me flesh that out a little. You can't say signers of the Declaration of Independence own slaves. That is true, including the guy who mm-hmm. wrote it. But then not say... Several of the signers went, actually founded abolitionist societies and were anti-slavers. You, you, you can't do one or the other. We, we can debate to what degree slavery should be held accountable to, the, the, to those amongst our founding fathers who engaged in that hideous practice. We can debate that that's a, because that's fact. But to act as if it was a monolithic event that they all agreed they were all for it is not true. Nor is it true that this was just about states' rights and the question that was prompting it 
slavery wasn't a consideration in the debate at all. You can't do that. And when you do include it, the moral calculus here changes. And we get into a conflict. What's more important, ending slavery or maintaining states' rights? And I think making arguments like this actually feeds the other side's narrative. We, you know what we just need to do? What's the truth? We don't have to romanticize things. We don't have to nostalgicize things. We don't have to lobotomize things. We don't have to agate prop things. We don't have to propagandize things. The truth of our history and heritage as a people, messy warts and all, has enough providential gloriousness in it to just tell that truth without trying to respond to their attempts to agate prop it with our attempts at reductionism in response. Is that a better answer? They were all good answers. I okay. liked them. And, and it, it, make, it really fleshes out, if you think about it, our frustration with Kevin McCarthy in the montage because he ends up taking something as a, as a talking point that has none of the depth and the richness that you laid out in mm -hmm. this question, nor is required for this time. Mm -hmm. Next up, Anthony are says... Are we up against the break? Oh, yes, yeah, we're about 30 we seconds are. away. All right, so that was a long answer because that was a heck of a question, even though I rejected the entire premise. <laughs> but it was, I think, but it was a still a good question. Yeah. Um, we'll come back. More of Ask Me Anything in a moment. Stay tuned. I know it may sound a little counterintuitive, but fall is actually one of the best times to plant new trees. And that's why you want to check out our friends over at Fast Growing Trees. The experts there curate thousands of plants so you can find the perfect fit for your specific climate, location, and needs. You don't have to drive around to nurseries and big gardening centers. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and everything is shipped to your door in just one to two days. Whether you're looking to add some privacy shade or natural beauty to your yard, Fast Growing Trees has in-house experts ready to help you make the right selection with growing and care advice available to you 24-7. Plus, with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, you can trust everything will be healthy for you for years to come. Find out why they've got over 1 million customers around the country at Fast Growing Trees. Go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash Steve, and you'll get 15% off your entire order now through October the 15th. 15% off your entire order now through October the 15th when you go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash Steve. Again, that's fastgrowingtrees.com slash Steve. Let's get back to some Ask Me Anything from our followers over on Gab. We will continue with Anthony, who asks, what do you think the odds are that the massive boob trans shop teacher in Canada is a right-wing troll? I've seen posts suggesting he's on the right and almost got fired for not being woke, accepting enough, and is trolling the woke culture by looking so ridiculous. I actually had the same thought last week when hmm. this story came up, but... I took it at its word. Okay. I I could buy that in this day and age. I mean, one thing we are getting much better at on the right is mocking and scorning the devil. So 
if you told me that that's what was going on here, and or if it came out later on that that's what was going on here, it wouldn't shock me. I do think, though, we should err on the side of uh, completely uh, exposing and expunging such individuals just to be on the safe side. Next up, Tony says, you said that uh, you would use an Iron Man's... Uh let me see. You said that you would use Iron Man's abilities to stop COVID, Stan, if you could. So would you use Thanos's snap to stop all leftists? I don't remember making that comment. I don't either, Iron but... Yeah, different Steve. Define stop. Would I dust people like that? No. If I could snap my finger and make it make the actions themselves stop... Yeah, I would do that. But I think we have to define stop. Okay? You have to define stop. I'll answer your question this way. I said this to a good friend of mine. We are having a conversation. He worked pretty, he worked fairly high up in the Trump administration. And this is what I said to him. I am not going to violate the word of God to beat these people. I will do everything else but that, though. Everything else but that I will do. Your human traditions, your human normals, uh, norms, your human um, vagaries, your your human uh, I can't evens, your human pearl clutches, your human that's just not polite. That's impolite. I don't care about any of that. I will not violate the word of God to beat these people. Meaning, I won't become them to beat them. But I will do everything else. So we have to define stop. Dusting them would def- would would violate the word of God. So give me a different definition of stop. <laughs> All right. Next. We will go to Ray, who says, why don't you recognize gays against groomers as an obvious grift? If you think Blair White, a man who became a YouTube celebrity by going trans, is an effective voice against transgenderism, which Gag does, uh, gays against groomers does, then I could see why, but you have insisted that conservatives reject such grifters in the past. What changed? Um, I think you're mixing metaphors here. This is a very good question, though. Number one, as I've made the case before, the trans thing requires me to accept, and I made this case about Blair White, the trans thing requires me to embrace your rebellion against your creator slash psychosis from the outset. I have, I have no other means of finding a commonality with you that does not require me to deny the reality made by my maker. To deny the reality made by my maker makes me a a sinner. It puts me in violation of him. We're not talking about a mere behavior. We're talking about an identity. And yes, I understand that there is an element of people in our society who want their, want their sin to be their identity. But I can engage them as individuals made in the image of God without granting them that license. Here, 
you are telling me you're not an individual made in the image of God. God made you wrong. And I must recognize the error of my God's ways. That's going to be a no from me, dog. So right away, there is no attempt or there's no, there's no ground for me to accommodate without affirmation. I can't do it. I can't accommodate without effort, affirmation on any level. Would the, would, would the right have given a fart what Blair White thinks about anything if he had not dressed up as a woman? Was he just so uniquely gifted Todd as an orator and, talender to, and, and, and talent that we just thought, by golly, it's just even a bonus that he's a tranny. It's just a bonus. Because all by himself, it's like if Abraham Lincoln and Daniel Webster had a kid. He's the, he's the Daniel Webster of Ronald Reagan's. Of course not. What was the only reason we, enter, we ever entertained his scam to begin with? What was it? Because he dressed up like a woman. Did anybody give a rip what this guy thought before he dressed up like women? No. No. Would they have given a rip if he didn't do that? No. 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 Which just makes my point. From the beginning, I have to acknowledge your rebellion against your maker and your psychosis to engage you. And I'm I'm here to serve God and not man. So right away... This is this is a denial of reality. That's crucial. What, what gays against groomers are doing is denying morality. All of us deny morality. All have sinned and fallen glory of the, short of the glory of God. All of us need a savior. All of us have denied morality. What this is is a denial of reality. And the author of reality itself. Way before we talked about anything transgendered on the show you have consistently steve talked about that um it being gay is not a uniquely icky sin or anything like that it's become unique uniquely idolatrous mm-hmm. but it's not it's it divorce has been wreaked every bit as much havoc on the culture if not more uh than homosexuality uh yet we we deal with you know we 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 barter we trade we converse with people who are divorced all the time you've been consistent about that for years and years and years and the trans thing is absolutely out front before you have a single word about anything else you have to deny reality that is the crucial point about mm-hmm. all this and what's and de- by denying reality what am who am i ultimately denying god god I'm ultimately denying God by you forcing me to deny reality, and I'm not going to do but, that for yeah. you. But working with sinners is what we do. I mean, there's no way around that. Yeah, because what are we all? Sinners. Sinners. Now, am I changing my belief system one mm-hmm. iota because I appreciate what gays against groomers is, albeit um, from an incorrect premise, attempting to do? No. Am I going to change? And, and will I do that? No. No, not, no, because then they're asking me to change reality, right. right? But as long as they don't ask me to change reality, well, then the reality that we're all sinners is the reality and sadly that we in which we live. Yes. Next up, 
Bart says, will Trump tear the Republican Party apart if he's denied the nomination? I think the only way, you know what? I think that's a 2016 question. I think, I think, I think we're way beyond that kind of stuff now. Um, and I would just urge you to go watch the conversation we had with Julie Kelly last hour for clarification. We're playing for a lot bigger stakes here than Mitt Romney using the Deseret News to go after Mike Lee for an intra-party pissing contest. We're, we're way beyond free the delegates and the stuff I used to get involved. We're way, we are literally talking about using the full coercive power of the federal government to determine the Overton window for our political opponents. That is that's something you don't want me to tell you what it is. I, I just think that I think this question's a few years behind the moment. Socks says if Republicans couldn't stop Obamacare, then what makes people think they'll stop the injections, let alone have a Nuremberg II trial? Because in the end, this isn't about Republicans. And this is really about us. First and foremost, you call the question anyway, because God demands it. They choose not to do what is right, not to act. Whose problem is that? Theirs. Theirs. And they will answer to their creator for it. However, if we do not demand this, we can't, we can demand it. We can't force them to, to, to cede to our demands. But if we don't demand that level of justice, then we answer. We are the watchmen on the wall. We have failed. So there is, there is nothing anywhere in the scriptures about um, only do what is right if you humanly can perceive that it will succeed. Is that anywhere in the no. scriptures? No. It, because I kind of think like it maybe chastises that kind of thinking every time it yeah. comes up, right? More like here I stand, Lord, I can do no yeah. other. Yeah, we, we are expected to do what is right. What is right is to present the evidence of the wrong that's been done and demand those that have been empowered, especially empowered by us, to then do what is right in response. And then that's the best we can do. And if they don't answer and respond, we did what we were supposed to do. One of the things that happens when you're on a crappy football team, and as a 36-year Detroit Lion football fan, um, actually a 39-year now Detroit Lions football fan, I've, I know a lot about crappy football teams. One of the things that tends to happen when a team, a football team has been bad for a long time is the players on the team don't trust each other. And so this becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like, what's the motto of the New England Patriots? What, is, what has been Bill Belichick's motto in building the most successful franchise in NFL history? Simple sentence. Do your damned job. Do your job. Do your damn job. That's their motto. They built an entire successful, the most successful team, maybe in the history of American professional sports, but certainly professional football, off the motto of do your damn job. 
Don't be looking around at what other guys are doing. Do your job. Your job's to do your job. Their job's to do their job. And then my job as the coach is to punish those who don't do their job and reward those that do. Do your damn job. What happens, though, when you know you're on a bad team and you don't trust the guy next to you is going to do his job, you start kind of bleeding over to doing his job. Next thing you know, the guy with the ball is running right by you where your job was supposed to be. Along those same lines, if we base the calculus on anything that everything that we ask for and everything we try to do on the perception of that we can concoct that it will be successful, then we are actually helping to perpetuate the very culture of failure that we claim to be against. Do your damned job. Your job is to demand they do theirs. Now, if they don't, you made your demands. But did they ultimately swear that oath, so help me will of the people? Is that the oath they swear? No. It's so help me what? God. Which means you made the demands. They don't do that job. Then who are they responsible to for that? You. God. Oh, yeah. And then, But if you don't make those demands, right. who are you responsible to? That same God. Yes. Do your job. Do your job. Quickly, let me tell you about our friends over at Rough Greens. If you're a dog owner, you know that taking care of your pet means more than just giving him food and water. That dog is a part of the family. So its health and happiness means a lot to you. That's why you need to know that a lot of the foods you buy at the stores these days for your puppy have been stripped of the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients it needs. For the same reasons they do that to a lot of the people food these days for mass distribution. That's why we're taking so many supplements as human beings, and now there's one for your pet. It's called Rough Greens. It's the powder you mix in with your pet's food to restore the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients that your puppy needs. But you might be wondering, Steve, this is the Let's Go Brandon economy. The last thing I need is another useless expenditure. Agreed. That's why we give you the first 14-day jumpstart back for free to see if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less. You pay for the shipping, so you're invested. But we pick up the far bigger expense here. We'll pay for the bag to get you started at 14 days right now when you go to roughgreens.com R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com or you can call them at 833-ROUGH-DOG Any final thoughts? Well, like I said, good questions today. I, I, I knew we wouldn't get through all of them. They were You took them the places I thought you would go. Deep. Yeah, the Gab has a tendency, they don't mess around with their questions, yeah. man. They don't mess around. And they just flat out come after you more. They do, and I like that. Yeah. I like it that way, which is why with, when I don't like your question, I'll flat out come after you. Yeah. <laughs> it's all fair. It's all good. Yeah. yeah. Aaron, you have any final thoughts? It is, it's a, it's a dark time, man. Um, but I think that was a good way to end. Do your job. I think it was uh, Matthew Peterson uh, a couple of times I saw over the weekend um, just saying, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people just want shortcuts. Yep. There are no shortcuts. No. You got to do the. You got to do the work. Are we ready to do that? Are we willing to do that? Mm-hmm. Great point there at the end. Great, great place to end it. We're going to stick around, answer the question in the overtime about the blood supply from our buddy, Dr. Ryan Cole. For the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.